God does not want us to be afraid of him. He wants us to know him. This is the Bible Speaks to You podcast, episode 133. Today's topic, are we supposed to fear God? You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey, welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm so grateful that you tuned in to listen today. Several weeks ago, I got an email from one of my listeners Farida, who asked a really important question and wondered if I would do a podcast episode about it. And yes, I will, and here it is. Here's what Farida asked. James, could you please tackle the meaning of fear of the Lord, or fear God, and all the other types of fear-related statements in the Bible on the Bible Speaks to You podcast? Someone once told me, probably my mom, to exchange the word fear with love. Sometimes it reads well and makes sense, but recently I've come across many statements in the Bible where doing that really doesn't make sense. There are so many, many different ways the word fear is used relating to God, it's a bit mind-boggling. So today we're going to tackle, to use Farida's word, what it means to fear God. Are we supposed to be afraid of God? What does it mean to fear God? First, I want to say to Farida, thank you so much for writing and asking this question. And before we jump into the discussion, I want to know what topics you'd like to hear on the Bible Speaks to You podcast. You can always get in touch with me by going to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the contact tab in the menu bar. And there's also a contact link at the bottom of the show notes description of your podcast app. So let's look at what the Bible has to say about fearing God. There are so many passages in both the Old and New Testaments which tell us we should fear God. Sometimes God even says, fear me. There are so many verses in the Bible that talk about fearing God, and we can't look at all of them, but we're going to look at a few of these verses to get an idea of what's being asked of us. First, though, let's look at the word fear itself. In Hebrew, there are several words translated fear. One of the words for fear is yare. It means to be afraid, to stand in awe of, to be awed, to fear, to reverence, honor, and respect. So there's this double meaning of being afraid and having honor, respect, and reverence for someone. In Psalm 103, verses 11, 13, and 17, 
we hear this phrase, to fear the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. Is that saying that we're supposed to be afraid of God? No, hear the context. It's clear that it means we reverence God. We're in awe of God. Now, this same Hebrew word for fear is found in Genesis 15.1. God is talking to Abram and says, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. And in Genesis 21.17, we hear an angel saying to Hagar, who has been banished with her son, Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Both of these verses have that same verb, yare, which means to fear. In this case, it's clear. The angel is not saying to Hagar, don't reverence or don't be in awe. It's clear that the context is don't be afraid. And the same thing, God is not telling Abraham not to reverence him. He's saying, do not be afraid. Now, this may not be the best example, but think about in English or probably in any language, there are words that are spelled the same and sound the same, but they mean different things depending on the context. Take the word right, for example, R-I-G-H-T. It can mean that something is correct, or it can mean the opposite from left, as in a direction, to go right or left. And the word left can also mean that something is left behind and it stays where it's put. We know the meaning in each of these cases because of the context. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but it seems to me that we can figure out the meaning here by the context, not only the context of each verse, but in the greater context of how these words are used throughout the whole Bible. Another Hebrew word for fear is pachad. It means terror or dread. Here are a couple of examples where this word for fear is used. Moses is telling the children of Israel what will happen if they are disobedient to God's commandments. This is Deuteronomy 28.66. He says, your life will constantly hang in the balance. You will live night and day in fear, unsure if you will survive. That's a pretty heavy-duty statement. There's no sense of feeling reverence for God there. It's a sense of terror or dread. You'll be afraid every day. And this same word is used to explain how the nations who were fighting against Israel would feel when they saw how God protected the Israelites. This is Second Chronicles twenty twenty nine, When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. There are lots of places in the Bible where it talks about the fear of God or fearing the Lord, but in this case, the word fear is this pachad, which means terror or dread. It's a different Hebrew word. So it's important not to get that mixed up. 
when the Hebrew word is actually asking us and encouraging us to be full of reverence and awe for God. There's another Hebrew word that means to fear. It's aratz. It means to tremble, to dread, to fear, to oppress, prevail, or break, to be terrified, or to cause to tremble. There's a sense of trembling. Here's an example. In Isaiah 29:23, God says, They will hallow my name, and hallow the Holy One of Jacob, and fear the God of Israel. That's the New King James Version. In the New International Version, that last phrase in the verse is translated, and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. Have you ever been so impressed with something that you just trembled with amazement? It's not exactly fear. It's this sense of amazement, of awe, of wonder. It's kind of hard to put into words, isn't it? That's what's going on here. This is how God wants us to experience his presence, to be in total awe of who he is. These verses we've talked about give us a glimpse of how the word translated fear is used in the Old Testament and how there are different meanings. Let's look at some of the verses in the New Testament. This is from Luke chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, and this is when Gabriel was appearing to Zacharias and telling him that he would be the father of John the Baptist. Verse 12, when Zacharias saw him, Gabriel, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. In verse 12, the Greek word is phobos. You can see where our word phobia comes from. And in verse 13, the Greek word is phobeo. They're basically the same word, except one is a verb and one is a noun. They have a sense of dread, of terror, but there is also that sense of reverence, depending on the context. The angel Gabriel is telling Zacharias not to be fearful. He is not telling him to not have reverence toward God. Another example of the same uses of this noun and verb is when Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb of Jesus on resurrection morning. This is Matthew 28, 5, and 8. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Usually when an angel tells you not to be afraid, it means you are afraid and you're going to be afraid, and the angel's trying to comfort you. But what happens? Verse 8, So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. The women left the tomb with all sorts of emotions. Maybe they were a little afraid. Maybe they were in absolute awe. But it says they also had great joy. And they ran to bring his disciples' word. They were excited. There's that sense of awe and amazement here in that word. Here's another example. This is what Luke says about the people who had just seen Jesus raised from the dead, the son of the widow in Nain. This is Luke 7:16. 
Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. Interesting how these words fear are coupled with people being full of joy, like Mary Magdalene, and the people here that had witnessed this raising of the widow's son, they glorified God. So think of all the different people in that crowd. Some may have literally been afraid. Others may have been completely overcome with awe and reverence for God that God would do such an amazing thing. So whatever that word fear means, there's a lot more than just being afraid. They were in complete amazement that Jesus, whom they referred to as a great prophet, had come in their midst and that through him, God expressed such power. So if they were afraid, they actually went far beyond the fear aspect to the wonder and awe of what had just happened. Think if you had been in that crowd when Jesus stopped the funeral procession, touched the bier the dead man was lying on, and told him to get up. How would you have responded when the young man sat up and then Jesus presented him to his mother? We've read that story so many times, I think sometimes we lose the impact it must have had on everyone there, especially the young man's mother. Think about if that happened today with a crowd of people standing by. Some holy prophet raised someone from the dead in front of a large crowd of people. Some people would probably be terrified. Others would glorify God. There might be all kinds of different emotions going on there. Why such a big difference, though, in how folks would respond? I think it has to do with where our hearts are, what we believe in, and what we think is possible or not possible. For someone who doesn't understand that God is love, we see that in 1 John 4.16, they might be more fearful if they witness something people might call a miracle. Oftentimes, we are afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of something we don't understand or something that goes against what we believe. I sat next to a woman one time on an airplane who was afraid to fly because it was the first time she'd ever been on a plane. It was a complete unknown for her. She was visibly trembling. I reassured her, and I think my words helped a little bit, but the most reassuring thing was for her to experience an airplane trip for herself. It took the mystery out of it bit by bit, and by the end of the flight, she was actually enjoying herself. I'll say this again. We're usually afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of something we don't understand. Or we're afraid of something that goes against what we believe, but happens anyway. Jesus never told us to be afraid of God. He told us how precious and valuable we are in God's sight. One of the things I talk a lot about on the Bible Speaks to You podcast is imbibing the mindset of Jesus. Think about Jesus' relationship with the Father. Was he afraid of God? No, he had a deep, reverent, humble, loving relationship with God. He was so conscious of that relationship to God, there was nothing there for him to be afraid of, but there was so much there for him to honor and delight in. As always, 
the best example to follow in the Bible is Jesus. How did Jesus relate to God? Was it a fearful relationship or a loving, trusting relationship? Well, we all know the answer. I think that says it better than anything else that we're not supposed to fear God in a sense of being afraid. It's our privilege to honor, adore, revere, and love God and never be afraid of Him. Jesus expected us to follow His example, so that means that we can embrace His mindset in His relationship with God. Now, there are a few more verses I want to talk about. In the book of Revelation, we have this command from an angel. This is Revelation 14, 7. The angel says, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and springs of water. And in 1 Peter 2.17, Peter says, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Do the angel and Peter really want us to fear God, to be afraid of God? I think it's important to put what this angel and Peter say in context of what many other angels and other people say throughout the Bible about fearing God. Usually, we hear angels say to someone, Don't be afraid. Fear not. Here, as in many places in the Scripture, some of the ones we've talked about, this phrase translated, fear God, means to show deep, unparalleled reverence for God, to compare Him to no other, to acknowledge with deep awe who God is and what God does. This verse from 1 John really puts things in perspective. It's one of those classic Bible verses that is such a powerful promise when we're in challenging or frightening situations. This is 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. If you are afraid of God, afraid God will punish you unmercifully, or for all the things you feel you've done wrong, or if you're afraid you're not worthy of God's love and forgiveness, or for whatever reason you might be afraid of God, the solution is to acknowledge and accept God's love. I know those are easy words to say, and it's not always easy to experience and actually feel God's love for you, but it is there. Even if you don't believe it, understand it, or accept it, God's love is always there embracing you. Sometimes people think of the Old Testament as only depicting God's wrath and severe judgment of people. But even in the Old Testament, there are many references to God's love for his children. I love verse 7 of Psalm 36. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. And then in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. 
Those are just two of many, many verses telling of God's love for us. But then in the very next chapter of Jeremiah, this is Jeremiah 32, verse 39, God says, I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me and that all will then go well for them and for their children after them. I mentioned earlier that even God tells us at times, fear me, and here is one example of that. That was the New International Version of the Bible. The New Living Translation actually translates this passage as God saying, worship me. We're going back to this whole idea of God wanting us to reverence him, to acknowledge him. God does not want us to be afraid of him. He wants us to know him. And God reveals that this will be so, that we will all come to know him. It's actually back in chapter 31 of Jeremiah, verse 34, where God says, No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. We shall all know God. We shall all know God as love. When we know God, and not just know about God, we experience the love he has for us. This is the love that casts out fear. So, when the Bible says to fear God, I encourage you to use the connotation of that word, which means to reverence God, to be in awe of all God is and does. We are in week 17 of our prayer project, 22 Ways to Pray with the Mindset of Jesus in 2022. This week, the aspect of Jesus' mindset we're going to think and pray about is the fact that Jesus knew he was the bread of life, and there's so many other metaphors he used to describe who he was and what his purpose was. Jesus knew he was the Messiah. You can check out John 6:48 and John 4:26 for those two references about the bread of life and the Messiah. How can you and I embrace this aspect of Jesus's mindset? Does that mean that we somehow think of ourselves as the Messiah as well? No, of course not. It does mean that we can become deeply conscious of the fact Jesus knew who he was as the Messiah. He knew his purpose and was undeterred in fulfilling it, and we can cherish that. But I think it also helps us imbibe that spirit of knowing who Jesus is and partake in the power of that awareness. And we can also be fully conscious of who we are as a child of God and a follower of Christ. We can be in tune with our own God-given purpose and fulfill it just as Jesus was aware of his purpose fulfilled it. So this week, cherish the fact that Jesus knew who he was and see where that leads you in your prayers. If you'd like a copy of the entire prayer project, 22 Ways to Pray with the Mindset of Jesus in 2022. I'll have a link in the show notes for this episode. Just scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, either on the website or in the description on your podcast app. I want to thank you so much for listening today. I'm so grateful you tuned in. 
And if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. There might be someone you know who would really appreciate and needs to hear today's message. If you're new to the Bible Speaks to You podcast, welcome. I am so grateful you're here. I encourage you to subscribe. Go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the subscribe tab up in the menu bar. And when you do, I have a special gift for you. It's a prayer guide called Praying with the Mindset of Jesus. Just click on the link I'll send you and then check your download folder. If you have questions or comments about today's episode or anything about the Bible, I would love to hear from you. Go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com and click on the contact tab up in the menu bar and fill out the form and I'll be in touch. As always, I'll have the Bible references mentioned today, and there are quite a few this week. In the show notes on the website, you can find those at thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 133. This is episode 133. That's it for this week. Thanks again so much for tuning in. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care, and we'll see you next time. God bless.